Welcome to Locked On Warriors, everybody. On today's show, we recap last night's game between the Warriors and the Lakers as the Warriors remain perfect in this preseason. And then we check in with 14-year NBA veteran Antonio Daniels on the latest on Kyrie Irving and Ben Simmons. It's all coming up next. You are Locked On Warriors, your daily Golden State Warriors podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, a Wednesday edition of Locked On Warriors, the only podcast bringing you the latest on the Warriors every day, Monday through Friday. I'm Wes Goldberg. However you may be listening on YouTube, Odyssey, or your favorite podcast app, thank you for making Locked On Warriors your first listen every day. Later on in the show, we're going to check with NBA veteran Antonio Daniels for the latest on Kyrie Irving and Ben Simmons because this is the biggest story that's going around in the NBA. But we start today in Los Angeles where last night the Golden State Warriors beat the Lakers to remain a perfect 4-0 on the preseason in a game without Steph Curry and Draymond Green. Steph and Draymond both taking that game off for rest. They are expected both to be available for Friday night's uh, preseason finale uh, against Portland. But in Steph and Draymond's spot started Damian Lee and Juan Descano-Anderson. So the Warriors started Jordan Poole, Damian Lee, Andrew Wiggins, Juan Descano-Anderson, and Kevon Looney. The Lakers, meanwhile had most of their starters. Trevor Reza is going to be out for a couple of months with a surgery, but for the most this is the first look that the Lakers or anybody got at uh Russell Westbrook, LeBron James and Anthony Davis together. Now, I actually thought that the Lakers starters outplayed the Warriors starters and that look, that should be that should be the case for the most part. And look, I don't really care about the score. The Warriors won 111 to 99. To me, preseason scores don't matter. It's nice that they're perfect. Um, but the Warriors, you know, 4-0, that's a good start, good vibes. The Lakers are 0-5. They've had a kind of jumbled uh, preseason. I don't think that they're going to be that bad in the regular season. I don't think the Warriors are going to be that good, right? They're not going to be 82-0. They're not going to be that good in the regular season. So I don't really care about the final results so much. And the Warriors kind of blew out the Lakers in the second half. I'm really, when I look at preseason games, I want to look at the first half. And there were pros and cons to the Warriors' performance in that first half. Um, number one. Well, I'll get to the Moses Moody stuff and then the Gary Payton II stuff later on. Gary Payton II played his uh, first game for the Warriors in this preseason. Uh, he's competing for that final 15th man roster spot. But um, when it came to defending uh, the Lakers' big three, Anthony Davis playing center. They had Carmelo Anthony and Kent Bazemore rounding out that starting lineup. Um, I thought that there were issues in guarding Anthony Davis. Anthony Davis had 20 points on 7 for 12 shooting. LeBron came out 17 points on 7 for 16 shooting, 6 rebounds. Four assists, three steals, also had six turnovers. Russell Westbrook had five turnovers, but he had 10 points, 10 rebounds, six assists. Probably his best game in a Lakers uniform so far. Um, and I thought that they got it out in transition. And the Warriors defended it to mixed results. I, I think if you're a Lakers fan this morning, despite the loss, I still think you're feeling okay. Not great, but you're feeling okay with what you saw from the Lakers. If you're a Warriors fan this morning... I think you feel a similar way about how last night went. Yeah, you won the game. Cool, we're 4-0, great. Um, But, you know, it's hard to draw any real conclusions from a game without Steph and Draymond. Um, Draymond would have been the primary defender on Anthony Davis, who scored 20 points. Andrew Wiggins was there to guard LeBron James, but Steph is is obviously the guy that runs that offense, and they didn't have him. And I thought just at times they looked um, just like, they were kind of motionless, uh, motorless, rudderless, whatever phrase you want to use on offense. But that's to be expected. Okay. So these are the things I really want to get to. 
Moses Moody and Gary Payton II. So in a game without Stephen Draymond, Moses Moody had an opportunity to earn his first real minutes in the first half in the preseason. Now, Moody, the rookie that they chose at 14, really strong preseason up until this point. Tuesday night, not so much. Uh, in 22 minutes of you know, his most expansive minutes of the preseason so far, he went 0 for 7 overall, 0 for 3 from three-point range, uh, had a couple of assists, had a rebound, had a steal, didn't turn the ball over, but was a minus five overall, got caught in transition way too many times, was not impressed with what he was able to do defensively. And leading up to the game, you know, you had Draymond Green, Steve Kerr singing Moses Moody's praises, saying, oh, he's kind of, you know, dealing with some of the rookie stuff, but, you know, what he's able to, to do as a rookie just shows how smart he is and all these things and how great of a basketball feel he has. And look, I'm not doubting any of that stuff, but this was a rough game for him. And Steve Kerr said as much after the game, basically saying, yeah, he ran into a wall tonight. Look, that's to be expected, okay? He's not, he's a rookie. He's going to be wildly inconsistent. That's what happens with rookies. But you would have at least liked to see him make a shot and then maybe not let that affect so much of what he did on defense. I'm not sure if not making shots have impacted him on defense. Again, guarding guys like Anthony Davis, Westbrook, LeBron James, especially in transition, when they're throwing those full court passes like they did to Anthony Davis that one time and then Moses Moody fouled him um, for no real reason. I, you know, that... It's tough. It's tough when you're kind of getting adjusted to the NBA game. And it's one thing to do it in the preseason, another thing to do it in the regular season. But still, when you're going up against guys like Anthony Davis and LeBron, it can be very, very difficult for a rookie. So that said, wasn't Moses Moody's best game. Gary Payton II had his, made his first appearance in the preseason. Um, they had 12 points. Um, let me get the stats here. 12 points on 5-for-7 shooting, 0-for-2 from 3-point range. So he missed a couple of threes. This has been the big knock on Gary Payton. This is why he's not been able to stick in the league is because he can't make threes. He was saying in Vegas during summer league, during training camp, all this stuff, hey, you know, the 3-point shot is coming around. Everybody in the league says that they've improved their 3-point jumper over the summer. So it's not just unique to Gary Payton. But um, that hasn't been the case. He missed a couple open ones. Um, he needs to make those. But still, had 12 points on a nice, efficient 5-of-7 shooting had uh, a couple energy plays, had this really nice cut where he beat Rajon Rondo. Rondo was kind of caught sleeping, but beat him, had a really well-timed cut. Bielitsa found him with a nice pass. Bielitsa's passing has been on, a, on another level in the preseason, by the way. But um, that's the kind of stuff that you like to see. And when you talk about that 15th roster spot, it's really between uh, Gary Payton, uh, the second, um, Avery Bradley, and then basically just freeing up cap space and keeping that 15th spot open. That's really what this is coming down to. The, the Warriors already waved Langston Galloway, who was never really in the mix there. Um, and so it comes down to those those three things. Gary Payton II, Avery Bradley, and just flat-out cap space. Uh, I like Gary Payton II. Look, he he's missed every preseason game after going offseason, uh, undergoing offseason surgery. Um, Avery Bradley he played a lot in those first few games. Kind of felt like it was his job to lose but really didn't do enough to get a stronghold on the position, right? Avery Bradley has a reputation of being a disruptive defender and a three-point shooter. Hasn't been making a ton of threes. Hasn't, like, blown the doors off of you defensively, right? Doesn't blown you away defensively. He's fine. He's solid. But Avery Bradley really hasn't been, like, awesome defensively since he left Boston. So that's more of a reputation thing with him. But uh, he's not terrible. But I think Gary Payton II is better defensively than Avery Bradley is at this point. Avery Bradley, again, reputationally... A better three-point shooter, well, I mean, almost everybody in the league at this point is a better three-point shooter than Gary Payton II, but still not really doing a ton for you offensively. Gary Payton, I like what he brings to the table from that energy standpoint. He's way more athletic than Avery Bradley is at this point. He's huge. He's strong. He's physical. Plays with a lot of energy. 
got a, a, a quick first step, as we saw last night against the Lakers. Um, I just, I think at this point, look, I know the shooting is an issue, but you got so much shooting on this roster where, yeah, it, you knew what this group was going into the preseason, but what you've been able to see from guys like Bielitsia and Otto Porter and all these guys making threes, Draymond Green, right, um, making and taking threes, um, maybe the shooting concerns with Gary Payton the second aren't as big a deal as they once were because you're getting so much shooting from elsewhere on the roster that you're saying, okay, if we're going to use this 15th spot, why not use it on a guy like Gary Payton the second, who Steve Kerr, you know, talking about him last year, said he's got that ability defensively to just sort of disrupt the flow of a game in a good way, right? Like if the offense, if your opponent's offense is getting into a groove, Steve Kirk can look at Gary Payton the second on the bench and be like, yo, just go out there and just, you know, make things weird for them. Just make things difficult for them. Try to grind that offense to the halt. Having point of attack defenders like Gary Payton is so valuable. It's such a novel skill set in today's NBA. I know that three-point shooting and ball handling are the most important skill sets in today's NBA, and that is very true. But having somebody who can defend the point of attack at an elite level the way that GP2 can is a very rare skill set. That There's just not a lot of point guards who can do that. Gary Payton II is one of them. I think that's worth having as your 15th guy. If he's your backup point guard every single night, probably not great. If, if you're relying on him for ninth or 10th man minutes, probably not great. But if he's the 15th guy in your roster, he doesn't have to play every night. He's just sort of a situational specialist. And I think that's what you want to use those spots for when you're a team like the Warriors and you've got you know, a couple of rookies and young guys who you're developing. You don't really want to use those last spots on developmental guys. You want to use those last spots on guys who you're like, all right, that's a that's a utility we, we, or like a specialist type of player. There's a utility for that player, a purpose where maybe we play him once a week, once every week and a half, but at least when we put him in there, we know what we're getting. And so I think with Gary Payton II, that could be valuable. I do. Um, I, I there It's going to come down to Friday night against Portland, the final preseason game for the Warriors. I expect Gary Payton, the second, and Avery Bradley to get significant playing time as long as both are healthy in that game. And then for Bob Myers and Joe Lakeup to come together and decide what they want to do with that 15th spot. Give it to one of them or leave it open. Um, all right. The Kyrie Irving stuff, the Ben Simmons stuff is just, it's the biggest story in the NBA right now. Um, we are uh, launching a new initiative here on the Locked On Podcast Network called Locked On Insiders. And for the NBA side, we have Antonio Daniels. You, remember, you may remember him, a 14-year NBA veteran. Um, he's doing some work with SiriusXM, play-by-play um, -play stuff and, and things like that, So or, or uh, color commentary stuff, not play-by-play -play stuff, um, here and there. And we were we are fortunate enough to have him as part of our network now. So here is Antonio Daniels on the latest on Kyrie Irving and on Ben Simmons. It's coming up. Support for today's show comes from Sweatblock. There are a few things in life that just aren't fun to talk about, and one of them is excessive sweating. You know, when you're just sweating through your shirts for no reason, it's embarrassing. Some of you may be personally dealing with this, and I can tell you that whenever I speak in public, I can't help but sweat through my shirt. Now, listen, I know this isn't life and death, and there are much worse problems in the world, but let's be honest, in the moment, it does feel like it's a big deal. And nobody likes to pet out during an important speech, during an interview, or a first date. I'd much rather just not worry about it, and that's why I use Sweatblock antiperspirant wipes. Sweatblock is stronger and more effective than most clinical antiperspirants. You simply apply it a night before you go to bed. Uh, the next morning, wake up, wash, go about your day without worrying about sweat, feeling good, guaranteed. 
I know this is going to sound too good to be true, but I literally only have to use sweat block once or twice a week, and it keeps me dry the entire time. No more pitting out, no more picking my shirts based on which one's going to hide the sweat better. If you or someone you love is dealing with this, you have to check out Sweatblock. Get it today for 20% off at sweatblock.com with the promo code LOCKEDON, or find it at Amazon and CVS. The Brooklyn Nets are now without Kyrie Irving. If things remain this way, just how far can they go this season? We're going to talk with 14-year pro Antonio Daniels. What's up, everybody? I'm Daniela Bruce with a Locked On Now Insider Report. Joining me right now, as I mentioned, 14-year pro Antonio Daniels. Antonio, drama, drama, drama. Kyrie <laughs> Irving. We're going to talk a lot about him right now and really... When New York came out with their COVID-19 vaccine mandate, it was thought that Kyrie Irving, who is not vaccinated, would at least be able to play in the road games. But today's decision that he is not going to be involved with the team at all unless he goes all in and ultimately gets the vaccine. How did we get to this point, Antonio? Well, Daniela, I think you just said it. The, the, the two words that you just said is all in. And I think that's incredibly yeah. important because when you mm -hmm. are talking about team sports, this isn't tennis. This isn't swimming, this isn't golf, this is not an individual sport. This is a team sport. So what the Brooklyn Nets did is they drew a line in the sand and they said, you can't have one foot in and one foot out. And the culture that we're living in now with everything that our, our country and our world are dealing mm -hmm. with, if you go all the way back to 19, 2019, 2020, there's no more walking on the fence. It's time mm -hmm. to be all in or all out. You have to choose a side. And in particular, when you're discussing professional sports, you can't have a guy with one foot in and one foot out. You know, either you're all in or you're all out. Having someone there for 41 games. Like, do you understand how important chemistry is in the NBA as a whole? Developing chemistry. You know, you have six game home stands. You will be without Kyrie Irving, man. You know, it's in, with all due respect to Kyrie Irving, you know, you have, make your decision. Make mm -hmm. your decision. That's cool, you know. But the Brooklyn Nets, and Sean Marks had to make an executive decision, not in what's best for Kyrie Irving, but in turn, what is best for the other 13 or 14 guys in that locker room. And there's nothing that the Nets organization can do about this New York City vaccine mandate. But how do you think the NBA PA is going to look at this situation? Well, I, I think the way that they can look at it is the fact that Brooklyn is still paying Kyrie, though. They're going to pay him for the 41 games that he would have appeared in if they were going to allow him to play. So there's not much that the Players Association can do because the Brooklyn, the Brooklyn Nets are taking care of their side as well. It's different if they're saying, look, you can play in 41 games, but we're not going to play you and we're not going to pay you. They didn't do that. They said, listen, we're going to draw a line in the sand. We understand it's about the other guys in that locker room. We are not going to allow you to be in and out and inconsistent with your presence and your playing time. But we still are going to pay you for the 41 games that you were supposed to or you basically had access to participate in. So there's not much that the Players Association can do about that. Do you think guys like um, KD and James Harden had any say in this decision? And if so, or if not, what do you think their level of communication was? Listen, and I mean this with all due respect, Daniela, it doesn't matter. Right. Honestly, it doesn't matter. In today's NBA, I understand we are, it's more player empowered than it's ever been. But Sam Marks had to make an executive decision on what was best for the team. 
whether or not KD or James Harden agreed or not. Now, listen, you guys are the stars of this team. You guys are two of the top 10 players in this league. So, yes, I will sit down with you guys. I will go over the different options. I will listen to you out of respect to your skill set, out of respect to your importance for this organization. But when it's all said and done, I have to make an executive decision. And that's what Sean Marks did. And I just mentioned two players that are definitely going to be very effective this season in Kevin Durant and James Harden. But as I mentioned in the open, just how far can the Nets go without Kyrie? I mean, let's be honest. You have two of the top 10, I'll say two of the top seven players in the league. That's not bad. No. That's not bad. <laughs> I not. mean, obviously with Kyrie Irving, they're a completely different basketball team. A completely – they have a legitimate big three, the best three, the top three one-on-one players in the league. But now you remove Kyrie Irving, that – you know, you take a big hit. You take a huge hit. But with all that being said, they still got enough to get it done. You still have – to me, if I'm starting a franchise, I'm starting with Kevin Durant, one-on-one in the history of the sport. And then you have a James Harden, a guy, both of these guys are MVPs. James Harden has led this league in scoring, has led this league in assists, has led this league in three-pointers attempted, three-pointers made, free throws attempted. So now he just has to basically shift his role. Last year with Kyrie, he was more of a facilitator and he allowed, allowed Kyrie to be that Robin. Now he has to be that Robin to KD's Batman. They still do have enough to get it done. It's just not going to be nearly as easy. All right, Antonio, is there a world where Kyrie ends up on a different team this season? I mean, I, I know this sounds, it, it's it's weird with all the COVID-19 mandates, different mm -hmm. states have different rules, but obviously New York has some of the strictest rules. So do you see that as a possibility for him? You know, on our, on our SiriusXM radio show, I, I suggested that a couple of weeks ago. You yeah. know, the thing is, if you know he's not going to play for you and you have an opportunity to move him, why not move him? But mm -hmm. the rumor is, if you do move him, that he will retire. And again, I don't know if that's true or not, but organizations have to do what they have to do what's in their best interest. That's mm -hmm. really what this comes down to. Right now, Kyrie Irving's doing what's in his best interest. He's made a choice. And what you see in this is it's about choices and consequences, decisions and the consequences that come from those decisions that you make. So if you're Brooklyn now, understanding that Kyrie Irving is also has the potential to be a free agent at the end of this season, holding on to him, what does that do? If you have an opportunity to get something for him legitimately and you know that he's going to continue to play, which I don't think any of us know. That's where the, I think that's where the issue kind of falls here, Daniela, is we don't know what happens if Kyrie Irving is traded. Mm -hmm. So that's something that, again, that's a conversation that has to happen behind closed doors and, and see what comes of it. Let's talk about our friends at Built Bar. Did you know that Built Bar has a ton of delicious flavors? There is something for everybody. When you talk to a Built Bar fan, they're definitely passionate about their faves. And if you don't know the, the Built Bar flavors by now, well, you're missing out. They have Coconut, cherry barcia, raspberry, mint brownie, double chocolate, salted caramel, strawberry, orange, cookies and cream, and German chocolate. 
I love all of these flavors. I always have a box or two or three or four of these in the refrigerator, and it's a perfect snack for me after a workout or when I'm on the go and I don't want something like chips or I don't have, you know, an apple or something near me. And this is great. It's a good source of protein. Check out these macros, 17 to 18 grams of protein, calories from 130 to 180, only four to five grams of sugar, only four to five grams of net carbs, amazing flavors, all tasty, all healthy. So here's the offer. Go to built.com and use the promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off on your order. Again, use that promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at built.com. Ben Simmons returning to Philadelphia. You would think this could be a messy situation in the locker room with some of his teammates, but 14-year pro Antonio Daniels thinks otherwise. Hi, everybody. I'm Daniela Bruce here with a Locked On Now Insider Report. Joining me now is 14-year pro and our NBA insider, Antonio Daniels. Antonio, let's get to it right there. I mentioned Ben Simmons and re-entering the locker room. He's back in Philadelphia now. How are his teammates going to accept him? And from your experience, what's going on in that locker room? Well, from my experience initially, I think it will be um, a little awkward. I think that's unavoidable. That's unavoidable right. because of some of the things that were said um, in the offseason. But I tell you what, Daniela, locker rooms are very forgiving. They're mm -hmm. fragile and they're forgiving, both. You know, and a lot of what was said was said in the offseason. Now, when you have an opportunity to walk back in that locker room, look guys face to face, look guys eye to eye and put some things behind you. Guys are different. You know, I understand how we um, operate out in the world where it's difficult to forgive somebody and it's difficult to move on when the goal of a team is for the better good. When you are in the championship fast lane, I think that initially it may be a little awkward, but mm -hmm. guys will actually take get to that point where they'll they'll make that call. You know, they'll make that call. They'll they'll sit and, and stay after practice and have conversations, you know, humble conversations. You know what, man? I said some things about you I shouldn't have said, and I want to apologize for that. Mm -hmm. Guys can put that stuff behind them quickly and move on, get back on the floor, get back to high-fiving each other, communicating with each other, and going to win basketball games. I think when we start talking about how awkward it may feel, when it starts to go above the locker room, when it starts to go to Doc Rivers or it starts to go to Daryl Morey, that's where I think it may feel just a little bit awkward. Well, you have a player who has requested a trade out of Philadelphia and said he would not return to the team this season if he didn't get one. Fine start to pile up, and he decides that he wants to return. Now, you say you might be able to mend things with your teammates. You probably will be able to mend things with your teammates. But with all of the outside noise coming in, is this a distraction at all heading into the season? Well, you know, I think it's a distraction heading into the season. But winning cures everything. Right. It's a distraction right now because mm -hmm. there's nothing going on right now but training camp. That's it. Mm -hmm. You know, they haven't opened up yet. But let's hypothetically say the Philadelphia 76ers get off to a 6-1 and one start. Are we talking about the fact that Ben Simmons requested a trade? Or are we talking about how seamlessly that he fit back in with that team? Right. So I, I think a lot of how this, the narrative moving forward, with the Philadelphia 76ers and Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid and Doc Rivers and, and Daryl Morey has to do with how they start the season off. 
Well, Doc Rivers might be helping that narrative in the fact that he has openly welcomed the fact that Ben Simmons is going to join the team again. He wants him back on the team. Just how much will that narrative help bring the team together? Well, you know, the thing is, I think a lot of guys understand there's no more star-driven mm -hmm. uh, league than the NBA. One player makes a huge difference. We've seen the LeBron effect where a team is in the finals and LeBron leaves and then that team becomes a lottery team. You know, we, we, this and how the Philadelphia 76ers look right now is a completely different basketball team without Ben Simmons. He knows that. Doc Rivers knows that. Ben Simmons knows that. Joel Embiid knows that. Think, this Philadelphia 76ers team with Ben Simmons and with Joel Embiid, with these guys not, skill sets not complementing each other very well, they still finished first in the East last year. Mm -hmm. Still. You know, it still took Atlanta seven games to eliminate them. That's when everything started because that was an upset. No one expected that. So, you know, you realize how good that this Philadelphia 76ers basketball team can be. You eliminate Ben Simmons from the equation. They're no longer in the championship fast lane. Yeah. You add Ben Simmons back to that equation. You're in the championship fast lane. The question then becomes, Daniela, what Ben Simmons are you getting? Are you getting mm -hmm. an engaged Ben Simmons? Are you getting a Ben Simmons that whose thought process is getting back to what this team was? Or Ben Simmons that understands that they tried to move me. I want to be moved. I have one foot in and one foot out. We'll find out which Ben Simmons we are getting very shortly here. He uh, has taken his COVID-19 test and is in the process of rejoining the team. So definitely going to be an interesting couple of weeks for him. But let's talk about perhaps the biggest critics in Philadelphia, the fans. They can be tough on their teams. They can be tough on their players. How are they going to react to Ben Simmons when he takes that court in Philly for the first time? That's a great question. Man, that's a great question. And one Honestly, I, I can't answer. I have no idea. You know, we don't know how someone is going to be received. Some people mm -hmm. may think, you know what, it's good to have him back because he's giving us a better chance to get back into the championship fast lane. Some of them may remember some of the remarks that he made. Mm -hmm. And the thing about fans, man, they are about loyalty. They are about loyalty. They are loyal to you and they want you, they want you to reflect that same loyalty in return. So when Ben Simmons says, I don't want to come back there again, and then you hear chants in, in Philadelphia at some of the other venues and some of the other events about Ben Simmons, that, that's, a, that's a great question. And honestly, that's something I'm very, very interested to watch how it plays itself out as well. Hey, you said it earlier, winning can cure everything. So if he does mesh well with the team, I'd imagine fans might be able to forgive him as well. Right. But um, we'll right. see how that plays out too. Um, so let's say... Ben Simmons does end up getting traded at some point this season. Mm -hmm. What team do you think he ends up on? Uh, that's a great question as well. I, I, I don't think we know because, I, you know, it seems as if Daryl Morey is waiting on one guy. He seems mm -hmm. like he's, he's waiting on one guy. And that one guy, number zero out in Portland. You know, there have been numerous um, trade offers for Ben Simmons, but – Daryl Morey is waiting on that guy. He's waiting on that guy to say, well, you know what? I don't want um, pennies on the, the dollar for Ben Simmons. You know, if I have an opportunity to get rid of him and I do choose to get rid of him, I'm getting him, getting rid of him for a guy that is going to put me and even propel me forward. So, you know, you've heard Sacramento. 
you know, you've heard Portland, but you haven't heard Damian Lillard. It's been more CJ McCollum and, and Covington and some of those guys. You know, you've heard San Antonio mentioned. So I, I don't know. It seems as if Daryl Moore is waiting on that guy. And if so now the thing to watch is not just the Ben Simmons situation in Philadelphia, but also watch because of what Damian Lillard said last year about Portland not having enough. Right now, he is all in. And he said it, Damian Lillard, I am all in here in Portland. But what happens if the Portland Trailblazers don't get off to that start that Damian Lillard would like them to? Are we having a different conversation come November and December about Ben Simmons now for Damian Lillard? There's a lot of moving parts and a lot of different factors that could go right. into what ultimately happens with Ben Simmons this season. But thank you for joining us for this insider report. This is a story we'll definitely be following. Thank you, Daniela.